This is the 49th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me are my dear co-hosts Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. All of us are very happy to have you here, dear listener. Hello, hi, how do you do? Hello, friends. I hope you're doing well and are ready for some legacy. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Decked app. In this week's episode, we will announce the winner of our giveaway ticket for the Tier 1 Con Legacy 5K. As per usual, we will also report from the weekly Legacy League play at our local game store. And finally, inspired by the upcoming Warhammer 40k and Lord of the Rings sets, we talk about what universe we would like to see in Magic the Gathering. Just as last week, uh, a housekeeping note also, I am still currently in the process of moving and uh, will be doing so for a couple of more weeks. And that takes a lot of time, so episodes are therefore currently released with some irregularity. And that's going to continue for a little while. As always, we wish nothing more than to get our paper legacy content to you but life also happens so if it doesn't show up in your pod machines as you're used to uh, know it's gonna come uh, but just a few days later so and while on this topic we would like to thank all of our listeners uh, for all the support and encouraging words you keep sending us it makes us all really very happy every one of those uh, is uh, really super nice so thank you everyone for that so all right we're gonna start with our winner of the giveaway tier one con ticket and uh, that is drawn from the entrance in our discord server jaxi or as he is known in real world Jacob Nurgard. Jacob lives in Denmark and is a relatively new player to Legacy. And this will be his first major tournament, actually. So this is fantastic, I would say. What what say you? Yeah, congratulations. Very cool. (laughs) Oh my god, I'm cringing so hard at my sounds. (laughs) I'm happy you did that. I'm happy you did that. Yeah, that's great. And uh, welcome to Legacy if you're a new player. It's super exciting and we'll see you. At tier one con. We will indeed. So, okay, 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 okay. Paper Legacy. Robin, how was last week at the Legacy Paper League in Stockholm? Last week was 20 players. And I will give you a rundown of the meta. Three Death and Taxes. Two Delver. Two Painter. TES. Grixis Phoenix. Esper. Elves. Lands. Sorry, I think it was maybe three Painter. And then Jeskai. Goblins, very special Stockholm Legacy Painter Nought, Band Food Chain, Turbo Depths, and a Red Stompy. That's so light on Force of Will. Oh my god. It's beautiful. Yeah, and uh, for myself, I was on 8 cast, so that was another 4 stack. Okay, so 4 out of 20. <laughs> yeah, and as you can see, we are starting to approach like a more common Paper Legacy meta with Death and Taxes in the top. And then Painter as the second. <laughs> so weird. Love it. Yeah, but very cool as well. The first game was against Painter Nought or Painter Dreadnought combo. Naughty Painter, that was a much better name, I must agree. So in game one, uh, I was a little bit uh, like not used to play against this deck. And uh, he did quite a lot of welder tricks against my... Uh, like baubles in the graveyard that would replace a big construct and that kind of things. And I had a, a quite an aggressive hand, but so did he. He had two dreadnoughts attacking and uh, like 
my way of winning this would be swinging with a huge construct that also had a shadow sphere attached to it and like winning the race by gaining a lot of life and uh, that's where like the welder came in and just ruined my life gaining plans that was really cool and then in game two and three i actually kept my graveyard completely clean of artifacts so like i played emery and and just like flashed back so to say the baubles but after that all the baubles remained in play and no artifacts to the graveyard because i was on like the construct plan Uh, So I managed to take down game 2 and 3 against this deck. Then I was up against Death and Taxes. Quite a few, like, tight games. It's always uh, fun to play against Death and Taxes. And they have such a, like, good grindy game nowadays with all of the removal. And then, like, Yorion coming from the sideboard to just draw a lot of cards or remove even more permanents. That was really cool. But I succeeded to win that as well. And then... I was up against my Nemesis deck when playing 8 casts. I was up against Elves and I lost two quite quick games. Like game 1 is not even worthy of mentioning. In game 2 I I had a Torpor Orb in play which would shut off his his Natural Order kill. But like he had Alasard Shepard in play and thus he could play his Assassin's Trophy through my counter magic in my hand. To just remove it and then go for natural order and then the kill. So like so nasty. Yeah, even with the sideboards in play, there's not much to do there. On to this final game. I'm up against the what I consider like the end boss of our local game store, Mr. Andreas the Hope. The Hope. And he is on Goblin Food Chain. <laughs> so in game one, I have a quite a broken start and uh, I overwhelm him. Like, quite handily, I should say. And then, in game two and game three, my deck completely stops functioning. And I mull to six and to five and, like, don't draw enough mana to do anything. And, uh, well, he is obviously on a, a, a quite heavy on a lackey plan because I have so little blockers aside from Emery on turn one. So, like, if he can stick a lackey, I cannot counter it, then he's in a good shape. And obviously I have to mull to something that do anything against that kind of start. So that's how it ended up. I just didn't do anything for most of the second and third game. And I ended up 2-2 with 8 cost. Man, I, I really like the Goblin Food Chain version of the list. Because it has like the sort of a less aggro style that the normal list have. But the end game is just... Can, can pop off out of nowhere and uh, I really like that like chaining a, a ringleader into a matron into Maxis and stuff like that is just nasty I love it yeah looks really cool and like I, I got most of the cards to build that deck I think I might do that because I have like the food chains are just like in my binder haven't played them for many years but I have the f- uh, goblins deck like built up just throw in a few tigers and and slot in the food chains and ah like maybe do some concessions to being a little bit more combo oriented obviously but that should be quite fun to test out i actually built a um, we had a, a playoffs for our legacy league a couple of years ago like pre covid and i actually this was when squee was uh, freshly printed and i actually played a a goblin food chains deck that had like uh, 
the what is it lightning crafter kiki jiki combo in it yeah and this was before maxis but it was it was super fun but now like the deck has gotten so many new cards and including fury which is a very powerful card and the uh, ignoble hierarch and stuff like that so the mana is a lot better and the end game is heavier so i, I do think that it's like a super cool deck yeah and also the new sling gang that drains you uh, without using mana, right? Oh, so yeah, that's yeah, a nice ad- addition as well. So how was your evening, Christopher? Yeah, speaking of broken starts, I'm a broken record because I'm going to mention Hope again. I played Mono Red Painter and it was very close to Friend of the Pod, uh, Andreas Hoveberg Hope, uh, which he actually crushed a paper tournament with recently. And uh, I ran his almost 75, but I'm, what can you say? I was late on the Furies and now I'll probably never own them. <laughs> So I, I I don't have free copies of Fury, which he's playing in his sideboard. So I played some less optimal cards there instead. I think a Fury Confluence and two Bonecrusher Giants or something. Whatever I could find that was like approximately close enough. So my first round opponent was Jeskai Control. And our game one was pretty grindy, but uh, I get double Merktide eventually, which kills me. Like the Teferi... It's, it's super tricky when the Teferi can just come down and bounce your ensnaring bridge and stuff like that. It's, it's very scary. But then in game two, I had a really aggressive uh, construct plan. And uh, my opponent did the turn-free uh, meltdown for X equals one, which sweeped like uh, five artifacts. But I had a second Ursa. Uh, so I played it and presented a lot of damage anyways. And he managed to, with one cantrip, find his second copy of Meltdown. Um, so he got to do it all again. And uh, eventually it was, it was enough. I was killing myself with ancient tombs uh, while doing all this. So it didn't take much to bring me down eventually. So I lost uh, against Jeskai Control 02. Then I played a Painter Mirror and uh, this uh, mirror is very very scary because uh, if you play your painter out your opponent can grindstone you so it's uh, it's a bit of cat and mouse uh, when you're playing this but uh, in game one i did play like a, i can't remember exactly what i think a turn one welder and my opponent played a, a turn one goblin engineer mm. and getting a painter into the graveyard and i just go turn two karn <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, extremely good in that matchup yep. and i and i get my um, liquid metal coating so i'm ready to do some damage and it's enough like uh, it the game is not too many turns after that but game two was super interesting because my opponent leads on city of traders painter and i'm just getting all of the i'm getting turn turn two milled vibes my hand is literally two grindstones ursa saga ancient tomb piffing needle (laughs) lotus petal and something i can't remember exactly but i'm thinking to myself if i top deck one more mana i can play grindstone and mill but i don't rip it so i have to go for Turn one, Ursa Saga, Piffing Needle, Grindstone, <laughs> locking two of my own grindstones in my hand. <laughs> but like the chance of getting completely destroyed there is too high. 
And uh, we have like a super grindy battle with Ursa Sagas and stuff like that. Eventually, my opponent wasn't playing Shadow Spears, and I was. So eventually I do get there. And uh, there was uh, there was one moment uh, where I was sitting. I had one of the very few pyroblasts that I kept in the main in my hand. And I was thinking to myself, should I just go for the pyroblast my grindstone uh, my piffing needle on grindstone mm-hmm. and go for it but at the same time i was beating him down with like massive like a massive construct token and we had this board state that was really nice like my opponent had six artifacts two of them were constructs and i had a what was it a five five no 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 he had a like seven artifacts and two were constructs mm. and i had a six six construct and he swings in, and I have a liquid metal coating in play. So I bolt his his painter that was in play and liquid metal coating my mountain and to block one of his constructs so that my constructs survived, which was just like a super sweet play, like coating your own mountain to grow it. Yeah, that's cool. It was pretty cool. Hey, do you do you board out the painters in this matchup? Like some of the painters? Nah, I... I I think the unlike Aluren mirrors mm-hmm. where you can just go for the grind plan and try to outgrind them. Yeah. If you board out the painters, you do have some pretty dead cards in grindstones in the deck. And it's also nice to just have like a super fast combo kill. I mean the grindstones are live on your opponent's painter. Like if you keep one yeah, painter yeah, yeah, sure. or like, something like that. Like like as in a lands mirror, you go down on depths. Because your opponent's stages are so dangerous. Yeah, but like if if they know that it's a mirror, they don't have to go for the painter until they know that they can mill you, and then it's your draw step first. So it's uh, all right. Yes, it's 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 a bit uh, it's a bit tricky and risky. Uh, I prefer just having the opportunity to do that to to the opponent instead. Is is a lot nicer. So if you have the grindstone in play, uh, maybe. When you crack your Ursa Saga or something, you can get the LED, play the painter, and then mill the opponent because they're going to have to take their draw step first. Yeah, right. So it doesn't matter if, if you both mill each other, the one who is uh, like the active player will always win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's cool. Unless they have some sort of like one-off elixir of immortality or something like that <laughs> that they can welder in in their upkeep and crack. All right. But... I'm not sure that I've seen a lot of those. Feldonskane. Feldonskane. Yeah, or like s- s- some some sort of effect that forces your opponent to draw a card would be really cool. Yeah, what is that? Lodestone Bobble? Yeah, something like that. Lodestone Bobble is a, I think, reserved list card. It's one of the, one of the less optimal bobbles because it costs, I think, one to play or one to use. And the other one is zero. And it's like, I think uh, they can pick up a basic land from their graveyard or something like that. And then they draw a card. So I, like at in their next upkeep or something. It was a long time, but I, I did play this in Bomberman as one of the win cons because I targeted my opponent like a hundred yeah, times. Yeah, to draw the uh, entire deck. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. yeah, it's one to activate. And for those who weren't around in the alliances, Lonestone Bobble is, is an artifact for zero 
one tap sacrifice lodestone bobble puts up to four target basic land cards from a player's graveyard on top of the library in any order that player draws a card at the beginning of next turn's upkeep oh right so it's in the upkeep so you can't really win with it if you're the like not the active player because you will you draw can, before their can, upkeep anyway oh yeah 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 in the next is it in the next upkeep or your yeah. next upkeep? next that player draws card at the beginning of the next turn so oh, okay, yeah, then yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah so then uh, then it works just make just make sure to choose the right <laughs> just make sure to choose the right player <laughs> target the right player <laughs> but yeah then i played against naya adepts and uh this was a, a super scary game, but I do think that Painter is kind of favored. I'm, I'm running three ensnaring bridges in the main and one in the sideboard that I can get with Karn. And when you have welders and stuff like that, it's just extremely hard to get through. And um, especially if you can play Piffing Needle on their, what is it, the Liberator or something like that. The problem is when it flips, it has a different card yeah, that's on it. it. Super scary. <laughs> so it's... Uh, it's a short-term solution for desperate times. Yeah, I, I, I still have like nightmares from that card from the from the semifinals in <laughs> in Gothenburg. Yeah, it's so nasty. But uh, yeah, like in game one, I just uh, we have this super fun exchange where I have a grindstone and I have a Karn, and uh, before I reveal like my Karn is at six loyalty before i reveal what i'm gonna get with my ursa saga which is um, poppin i decide to like with the trigger on the stack i decide to bolt my opponent's elvish reclaimer to see if he'll do anything and he actually in response fetches activates it or something and busajus my grindstone so that i can't get painter and mill or something like that but now when i know like all the cards are on the table i know what you're trying to do here i get led with my ursa saga and uh, float mana get the other mana and just minus karn get lattice and jam lattice into play instead because Mm. karn at this point is a has four loyalty and the reclaimer is a free four so he takes his turn, hits Karn to one, I untap, and I plus on Lattice, and he's like, okay, but it's only on your turn. I'm like, no, no, it's, it's until my next turn. <laughs> so it's a 6-6. Six, six. And he's like, oh, okay. Scoop. And then, like, not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a scoop. He was thinking, like, yeah, maybe I can win if I, if I draw Field of the Dead or something. But, like, I'm just going to get coding, and, uh, like, in a couple of turns and make sure that no field triggers are ever going to happen. And uh, game two was a bit of a grind fest. He has a turn to oof, which is nasty. But I'm doing hiding behind the beautiful, beautiful ensnaring bridge game with uh, zero cards in my hand throughout the most of the game and just having a massive construct just sitting there on defense in case anything would go south. I have a Karn that uh, I minus to get a painter and eventually... When my opponent is hellbent, I just uh, red elemental blast oof and mill him. So uh, 2-0. And the last game was uh, kind of... It was against Grixis Phoenix and it was pretty pretty fast games. I think our games were over in like 7 or 8 minutes. And then we just sat and talked about Ragavan. <laughs> <laughs> like in fond memories or like... 
I'm happy that Monkey's dead. He's on one side of that fence. <laughs> and we all know my position. Uh, uh, which is the opposite uh, side. You monkey hater. Yeah, like game one, I get to resolve a Karn. And I know what he's on. I know that he's on Grixis Phoenix and he's been cantripping and not really doing much. So I just minus and get the Torpor, or, uh, like uh, the Tormod script, and play it. And he just scoops. <laughs> because like he was building up for that crucial turn and uh, in game two i have a pre-game ley line and he plays a like turn turn one or two drc but uh, i get the like engineering to play and uh, like turn free karn and he just scoops and he knows that it's over so i went three and one and uh, the deck list was super solid it's like the deck is so much more fun to play now with the ursa saga it's kind of, it's not top but it's uh, it's the closest we'll get to top <laughs> and i'm very happy about the list which is hope's list very cool i just um, i was thinking when you discussed the painter mirror in your second round my fond fond memories of playing the reanimator mirror in in sort of the aspect of what cards do you bring out because you need to have one gristle brand in your deck so that you can go land or ritual and to maxume but you sort of don't really want more than one because if your opponent discards your gristle brand <laughs> they can reanimate it themselves <laughs> through various yeah, yeah, means yeah. and steal it from you you have to sort of keep so you, you you change the the way the deck works in in sort of this most interesting way and then just hope that they don't play specifically surgical extraction because that's going to be hard <laughs> if you sort of bin your one gristle brand and then sort of ah because then you have to sort of take their gristle brands instead and it's just it's super interesting i love that mind game how hot is exhume in that matchup <laughs> it's after not, after not, turn <laughs> one very scary or it's not a card i used to keep <laughs> too many copies of you're like oh i'm gonna put a gristle brand into the graveyard Exhume, and they're like, fetch and tomb, put Arkan. Yep, Arkan is really, really good in the mirror, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. it feels like a mirror breaker. Very, very, very good in the mirror. It just breaks decks, to be honest. Yeah, I should, when I sort of, I mean, right now, of course, all my magic stuff is already packed up in boxes, ready to move. But once I whip them out, I'm really looking forward to trying to play the four Arkan reanimator lists and see how that works, because I just think the Arkan is just evil. dismay of many a legacy boomer, Wizards of the Coasts are branching out into cyberpunk ninjas, 1920s crime, Warhammer 40k and Lord of the Rings. Apparently it was better when the boomers were young and Magic the Gathering was only full of obscure references to writers, ancient European history and an entire set based on the Middle Eastern folk tales of Arabian Nights. We, on the other hand, lean into this as the kids say. Guys, what would you want from a universe beyond set? Robin. I am a little bit of a legacy boomer, I have to admit. And uh, I, I really like the, you know, <laughs> the, the original sets uh, from Magic's history and all of that. But I mean, uh, 
one must adapt and so must magic. And uh, like when thinking about a crossover with another known franchise, I must choose uh, one of my favorite computer games, which is Battle Cruiser Operational Starcraft, of course. <laughs> I really hope that your uh, that your sound clip would have worked, but that was awesome. <laughs> All right, so I actually just also bought <laughs> a StarCraft board game, uh, which I saw in a, in a, in a, like a like a thrift shop. Yeah, that was that was so funny, and I was like, "Is that a StarCraft board game? Can I look at it?" <laughs> I was like, "I I need to have this." <laughs> I'm not even sure if I'm ever going to play it, but looks really cool. Oh, we're playing Oh, we're it. playing Oh, that's oh good. for sure. We're playing it this summer. <laughs> I'm going to six-pool you so bad. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be cool. So wouldn't that be like a very interesting collaboration? You have like a lot of humans and vehicles, obviously, as the Terrans. And then you have, as Christopher taught me, slivers would be the most like thing that is similar to the Zerg race. And then... I'm thinking about maybe Vedalken might be the best like uh, thing that is close to Protoss. And like uh, all of the spellcasters would be really cool. And uh, yeah, that would be like a lore that I could get behind. And uh, <laughs> it might be some some fun uh, like mechanics, some cool heroes from like that lore that could maybe Raynor is a planeswalker. What do I know? <laughs> I think you would also have like so many tokens. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in a StarCraft expansion, there would be tokens for fucking everything. Uh. And there would be this like, because just, I'm thinking like, just as you have um, the monarchy, like when you're the monarch, you would have sort of uh, objectives that you could uh, obtain that would have a similar sort of just being in existence on on the board sort of unremovable uninteractable conditions that you would sort of fulfill or meet at some point and you would get advantages from doing that so it become become sort of this objective based catch them all occupy the, the 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 board kind of thing and i would obviously i'm a protest player at heart so i would play all of those vedalken creatures and I think they should have some sort of some sort of shield, like as the shield mechanic is in StarCraft. That would be really cool. And uh, I would try to foregate my opponents as much as possible. So what about you, Christopher? Where is your chosen crossover universe? For me, like the uh, the only crossover that I would super approve with 100% would be my childhood and maybe to this day favorite game which would be Zelda Ocarina of Time. And like there are a lot of fantasy elements in the game. And if you just think what could be in a set like that, in a, like an Ocarina of Time style crossover, you'd have like uh, Hylians, which are the human race. You'd have Kokiri, which are the forest people as elves. You would have maybe Gorons as goblins and the Soras as merfolk which is, uh, yeah, like they, they do look the part and they look amazing. Then you can have Gerudo and maybe bring rebels back or have them as rogues or something like that. That's some cool. And then there are fairies, which guess what creature type they would be. And um, there, are, there are a lot of like undead different creatures like zombies, skeletons, like phantom ganon and stuff like that. So 
I really think that there would be like for me only like, maybe uh, well it is the highest rated game of all time on Metacritic so maybe it's not only me but I think there are some really cool things that you could do with it like uh, some legendary creatures you know you could have Sheik and Impa as ninjas you could have some flip cards you know Ganondorf could flip into Ganon Young Link could flip into Link and uh, of course the Owl Owl Rauru, which always stops you and just nags on forever and then have the double negative at the end where you have to press yes or no and you don't know the answer anymore. Could flip into Sage Rauru. But this is a great opportunity to have a legendary Tarpan, which is the horse, uh, Epona. So uh, wow. there's like, uh, this place has everything. I mean, that that card would do the whole set. Like it would be worth it for just that card. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But there are like there are so many cool things. Like maybe some cool equipments. You know, a master sword can yeah, be legendary. Like or the actual ocarina of time or the mirror shield could have some activated ability where it had like the chain lightning effect. If you pay two colorless and if something is targeting you or a creature you control, you could copy the spell. Not counter and redirect but like, I was thinking sort it. of a functional reprints of, of Sharazad and uh, Mirror Universe <laughs> like all these weird sort of uh, time travel things as well yeah but like I think I think that game is just so iconic it has so many good things going for it uh, it does have some horror elements but it's overall just a, about adventure and it would be super sick to see basic lands uh, from that like Mount Doom as a, a Valakut reprint or something like that. Or, um, yeah, you know, it's just super nice. So my my dream crossover would for sure be that. What about you, Victor? Yeah, I'm uh, leaning towards uh, Neil Gaiman here because uh, I think there's just so much interesting in his works. And I think, actually, I think it would have to be centered around the Endless, uh, which is his perhaps first uh, famous work, the Sandman comics, which are also, again, referenced in uh, City in a Bottle, uh, <laughs> the episode 50 of the Sandman comics, uh, uh, Ramadan. Because in, in the Endless universe, or, or with the Endless characters, I think you finally have characters that are powerful enough to justify being planeswalkers. Because, I mean, these days, when, when sort of... In the beginning, the planeswalkers were sort of, okay... Jace seems like a pretty powerful character, sure. But all of their main ability is really that they can sort of planeswalk. That's sort of what's special about them. And that feels, has always felt to me as a bit of an underwhelming characteristic. It's not that they're actually sort of super powerful. It's just that they can move in between planes. And sort of, even as a person as I am, who is sort of, you know, slightly interested in magic lore, this interconnecting between planes has always been sort of really meh. But these characters are sort of, they are the endless. Like, they would be have such interesting sort of passive abilities perhaps they can never be exiled or removed from the battlefield or they can be they would always be recurring on the next upkeep or something like that and can have these really awesome abilities and they would be super powerful costs loads of mana probably trick is though that 
difficult to sort them over the color pie <laughs> because most of them would just have to be black something and perhaps that would be the thing they would all be black something like dream would be probably black and blue death would be just black desire would be black and red etc etc destruction would be probably grixis you know i mean the list goes on but i think specifically uh, sort of how how planeswalkers would look because i think you could finally justify their awesomeness in power level with the endless and i was thinking about that because i, I first i was thinking like you should do a lord of the ring set and say like, oh yeah it's coming because what i'm thinking is that I, i'm sort of ge- gearing myself up to be underwhelmed is how are they going to portray the nazgul because i love the nazgul they're my favorite sort of characters in lord of the rings there are nine of them and they all have to be black H- how are they going to f- sort of function are they going to be nine different legendary creatures and or planeswalkers probably not so what i'm thinking is that either you're just going to get sort of the the witch king of angmar is going to be a special character and then there's going to be sort of nazgul cards like the nazgul's veil which is a sorcery that does something or the nazgul's presence or the nazgul steed i don't know and um because uh, I, I think that the first lord of the rings card game which came out only a couple of years after magic first was released actually they had individual sort of monster cards for all of the Nazgul. Uh, all of them had 10, 12 lines of text as well. They were impossible to understand, but they were super cool anyway. And um, I hope that this Lord Ring set that comes in 2023 sort of works on that, but um, I'm skeptical. But like, isn't uh, when it comes to the Nazgul, like, can you like concretely say something badass that a Nazgul that is not the Witch King of Agmar has done? Like, they don't even jump in water to <laughs> get the ring on that raft. And they're only <laughs> they're losing, like, 9 to 1 versus Aragon. Or what is it? 5 to 1. Like, so bad, man. They're not badass. Only Witch King. He carries them, man. But uh, I think the, uh, the Gaiman thing you talked about <laughs> is, is going to be pretty cool. The Witch King hate. I'm, I'm never going to get over this now. But, like, aren't they making a, a Sandman show? They are. It's coming soon. I have a, a friend who's also a listener who was like super hype and sent me the trailer uh, with Spanish subtitles, I think. But it, it was extremely cool. And I haven't actually read it. Oh, you have to. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to do some summer reading. But uh, yeah, the only thing that I care about, uh, if, if the Lord of the Rings set is to really do it for me, like there has to be of Samwise Gamgee legendary creature that makes food tokens and they have to have potatoes as food tokens like <laughs> and it has to say like in the flavor text potatoes boil them <laughs> mash them stick them in the stew like it's the only thing I really care about the rest like sure put sting in there put a whatever you want in there but I need my potatoes man hey I got I, I got this idea for a lot of the rings card how about this a functional reprint of tarpan the other nascos <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they're called the Nine, but it's actually just the Witch King of Agmar and his sh- eight shadows. <laughs> but like, uh, I think I know like the name of him and one other. Are the other actually named in the? Yeah, like, they're in, all they're all like were. nine. All right. Yeah, they were all like nine kings, and uh, they all have a, a story right. behind them. Big shocker. <laughs> but um, yeah, it 
it's it's gonna be interesting but uh, when it comes to i'm i'm not super into you know gaiman haven't read that much but it does feel like a lot of the characters in his works are very larger than life so that would be quite cool to see i guess you'd get a lot of reanimator targets victor oh that's cool so yeah so slivers from my set, reanimated targets from Victor's set. And what do we get from your set, Christopher? It's pretty much uh, Lorwin. <laughs> Lorwin 2. Fotsies. <laughs> Fotsies. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that is all we have for this week. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode as much as we have enjoyed recording it, as we always have. If you like the show, do tell a friend. You think you should listen. That helps us grow. And if you have other suggestions for Universe Beyond, or if you want to dispute our Nazgul talk, you are <laughs> very welcome to do so in our Discord server. You can find the link in the episode description here. Non-Agmar uh, ringwraiths are shit. There I said it. Which King aligned. Yeah, so in addition to Discord, you can also hit us up on the Twitter at STHLM Stockholm Legacy. We are also present personally on some social media. Robin, where can our listeners find you? Social media? You can find me on the StarCraft ladder <laughs> under the username Jackaboo. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's going to be hard to follow that, but you'll find me on the un- unranked ladder of StarCraft. <laughs> Just kidding. You'll find me on Twitter at uh, monolithmtg or on the Discord server. And you can find me on Twitter as well at DiscoDrogo. And that is the end of the 49th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson C. and Anchors of Wikström. Warm thanks to you for listening. Extra special thank you to Frönes, who has written our music. It always makes everything sound so nice. You can find their work on Spotify. Until next time, if you want him, come and claim him.